Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 27, Confidence in the New Paradigm and How Changeable It Is, with Lana Bastianuti and Linda Ford. Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Changeable, a podcast about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. And now, here's your host, Dr. Amy Johnson. Hey guys, welcome back to Changeable. I'm excited to share this conversation with you um, about confidence because confidence is one of those things that I remember years ago coming across this new paradigm and just having my mind blown at what this meant for what I, what I thought and believed about confidence. So maybe like many of you, I went through most of life thinking like, all right, confidence is kind of like a personality trait in a sense, like you're sort of born with some degree of it, or you're born with, you know, you're born with very little of it. Um, it, It's certainly malleable to some extent. So we can do things, we can foster our confidence, we can work on it, we can rearrange our lives um, to try to put ourselves in around people and situations that bring out our confidence, which is really hard to do. But you know, I tried to do that for years and it did look like there was a range, like it could, it could move up and down, but the range was kind of narrow because it was sort of just a fixed thing. And coming across this new paradigm completely turned that around. So in the new paradigm, when we talk about that place beneath our psychology, beneath our experience, our moment to moment experience of life, where everything that we're looking for is our health, our resilience, our peace. Confidence is there too, because think about it. Even if you think of yourself as a person who has a healthy dose of confidence or very little confidence, you don't have the same experience of confidence every moment of your life, do you? I mean, it moves. So what that tells us, especially from within this new paradigm, is what's moving is our psychology our thoughts, our feelings, our behaviors. Now, if that surface level psychology is moving and that's where our insecurity, that's where worry and insecurity live, beneath that is something that's, you know, kind of like confidence. Now, I don't mean um, the kind of confidence that my seven-year-old has that we're kind of trying to knock down a few rungs (laughs) because he thinks he's like the best of the world at everything. I'm kidding. We're not really trying to knock it down, but you know, not the kind of confidence that he has where he says, I could probably beat Messi in soccer. He's not that good. You know, he thinks he's just like amazing at everything. Not that kind of confidence. That's not what's innate. That's thinking, you know, but, but beneath our psychology, beneath our moment to moment experience of life, there's a steadiness. There is no insecurity. There is no worry. There is no fear. Those are the things that take away or distract from our feeling of natural confidence. Now, when I started to hear that, and again, see evidence in children everywhere, children just exude confidence, except for when they're thinking an insecure thought, and then just like us, they don't. But we see it so clearly in them because even when they think insecure thoughts, they don't tend to hang on to them so much. So they tend to have this natural, what we adults call natural resilience and natural confidence, but we have it too. We have it too, no matter how old we are, we're just thinking over it. So this whole topic of confidence was so huge and fascinating for me. And it 
it was really awesome to see, wow, I don't have to do anything to get back to my confidence. Just like everything I ever share on this podcast, we don't have to do anything to get back to our peace or our habit freeness or our clarity or our health or any of that. It's more about just seeing through what's in the way of it, knowing that there's only moving, changing, fleeting experience covering it up. So in today's episode, I talk with my colleagues, Lana and Linda, and they've written a book called Women in Confidence, The Truth About the Lies We Tell Ourselves. So they have this, they talk about confidence from this new paradigm, and they do it in a really cool way in their book through some lies, some misunderstandings about how how things used to look. You know, I can't feel confident if I don't look good, or I I'm not confident enough to, to be on my own without a partner, or things like that. So they have nine lies that they go through in the book, and we're going to talk about some of those in this episode. But as you listen, just really kind of listen, listen in for that deeper sense, kind of that flipped on its head view of confidence, that it's there by default. We don't have to manage it. And that the only thing we're ever up against is some thinking on top of it that feels kind of real. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Linda and Lana. Welcome to Changeable. Hi there. How are you? Good. Hi, Amy. Lovely to be here. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I'm excited to have this conversation about confidence, all things confidence, because I think this is obviously a huge topic, something that you guys know so much about and have been looking into so much recently. And it's a really cool thing. It's a great illustration of kind of new paradigm versus old paradigm thinking. You know, confidence is one of those things that we can see through this new paradigm in a way that looks really different from how the old paradigm talked about it. So I'm really excited for this topic and to have you experts on confidence here with me. Yeah, we've certainly gone through that journey of, uh, you know, throughout our lives, experiencing both paradigms. So yeah, it's been quite a journey for us. Yeah. So let's just start with kind of a basic question of like, what is confidence? I don't even know what I mean by that, but what is it as you guys just see it? Like what shows up in your head as I ask that question and and from where does it come? Yeah, it's it's such a great question. And I'd have to say for me, Amy, after spending the past year writing this book and exploring this topic, I, for me, it is just feeling freedom, the freedom to be myself, you know, to show up in all kinds of situations and circumstances in my fullest way. And that means, you know, sometimes I'm confident and sometimes I'm not, and it's okay. But to feel that freedom to be okay with however I show up is just beautiful. That's the way I want to live. Yeah. And for me, I mean, I'm very similar. For me, it's uh, the expression feeling comfortable in your own skin really resonates with me because when I reflect back on experiences where I could be seen to be confident and I look at those experiences, I really see that, boy, I actually didn't have a lot of thought about me as a person. I was just comfortable in my skin and just showed up. I was I was just being, and I didn't have a lot of personal thinking going on. You know, we have this kind of, um, if I could just add on to what Lana's just said, we've got this kind of um, premise that confident people are very slick and charismatic and, you know, kind of outgoing. Mm. And for me, like I just said, confidence is just Oh, if I screw up in public or if I kind of look silly or whatever, 
or if I don't have much to say about something, there's a real confidence can still come through in those moments. And it's not about all this slickness and not necessarily, it might be. So for me, that's, again, it's that freedom just to be comfortable in your own skin, to be yourself no matter what. Yeah. So given that, right. So if it's, if it's just feeling like ourselves, feeling comfortable, given that we don't always feel that way, when do we feel that way? (laughs) If it doesn't come from not messing up in public, you know, like how do we feel, how do we come to feel more confident and comfortable in ourselves? I think it's sort of like what I alluded to before, when your own personal thinking, self-consciousness falls away and you're just in the moment, you're just doing stuff. And we've we've all had that experience of either writing or just talking to somebody when you don't even really factor in, your identity doesn't really factor in, you're just in the moment. That's when you're fully alive and fully present in that moment. You're not, you know, Lana, this is my identity. I am this type of person. You're just having an experience and creating an experience with another person or with whatever you're engaged in. And it's interesting because you can, I I have two daughters and I know for one of my daughters, she'll talk about being self-conscious sometimes. And what I'll point to is like, notice how much thinking. When you're engaged in a conversation with somebody else and you feel self-conscious, notice how much of your thinking is actually about yourself and not about what you're talking about with the other person. You're thinking, do they, do I look foolish? Am I coming across well? I don't know what to say. What are they talking about? Like all the thinking that's going on, that's creating that feeling of self-consciousness is about the self and not actually about the moment. Yeah. So are you saying that beneath that thinking is confidence, like beneath that thinking, do people still have different levels of confidence or I don't know, like, what would you say about that? Like, what if some, some people, you know, I I hear you saying that some people have different levels of thinking about themselves or we all have a lot and sometimes Mm -hmm. we're really caught up in it. But what about the confidence that's there beneath it? Well, again, it's kind of like, how do we define confidence? You know, if we go back to how we're defining it, then it's kind of hard to say, well, there, you know, I'm more confident sometimes than others. It's just, for me, it's just like being comfortable in my own skin and knowing that no matter what shows up, that's me and that's okay. Everything's okay. So I don't know if that answers your question, Amy. You know, Linda, we were talking about this the other day and I I was talking to you about that metaphor, water off a duck's back. Oh yeah. So Amy, when you were talking about what's beneath the thinking, I sort of had this image of a duck (laughs) and we're like, what's beneath the thinking is this duck. It's who we are. It's our innate self. And to me, that's the qualities of confidence, peacefulness, feeling free. And all the thinking is like the water. And what we're saying is all those insecure thoughts, all that self-consciousness, whatever we're experiencing in the moment, that's like the thoughts. And the water just kind of rolls off the duck. The duck is our innate well-being. It's our innate confidence. When we, however, sort of get stuck on some of this water and hold it to us and attach to it and identify it, that's when we get caught in our thinking and the water doesn't roll off as well. And we think we are the water instead of the duck. Yeah, I think that, you know, because confidence is no different than anything else that is innate to us, as far as I can see. And I think that is yeah. just hugely powerful to see that there aren't levels of confidence in different people. You guys tell me if you see it this way, but that there aren't 
different levels of confidence that different people have. It's there. It's, it's, it's there. just what we're made of, every single one of us. And in any given moment, we feel more or less comfortable in our skin and more or less confident based on more on what's in the way and what's distracting us from what's there versus and from anything else. Does that sound right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that this is not the basic premise of what the self-help world is putting out about confidence. If you pick up any book on confidence, the basic premise is, and it's all very well-meaning, is that confidence is something that has to be created, has to be earned. You have to go out and practice being confident before you can be confident. And so to suddenly say, oh no, it's not that way. It's not like building a muscle, exercising a muscle to make it stronger. It's about, you know, we actually have that quality already, but it's just being covered over by all our thinking. Yeah. So how do you... um how do you help someone with that? <laughs> you know, like what do we do with what's covering it up then? I think a, a large part of it is really in recognizing how the system works, how we do experience things. And, and you talk about this all the time beautifully. Once you, you kind of become aware of, oh, there's my psychology, there's my thinking that creates my experience. And then there's really who I am, what's underneath all of that and what's constant for everybody. And those are the qualities that we're pointing to, such as confidence and, and a peaceful thinking, feeling thinking, creativity, all those qualities that we naturally see in little, little kids. I mean, sometimes that's the best place to point people to. Look at the innate nature of little, little children. Look at the confidence level they have when they tackle anything. Look how amazing they think they are <laughs> at one or two years old. I mean, they just think they're absolutely divine as it should be because they're coming from their own innate nature rather than any conditioned beliefs or thoughts that happen to be coming through that they, through misunderstanding, they create a pattern of thinking. Oh, I'm an insecure person. This is who I am and identify it and then lead that way instead of understanding, oh no, that's just psychology. Underneath that, I'm fine. You know, Amy, when we were writing the book, we had to actually go back as you know, into our past and really get to re-experience those circumstances where we felt insecure. And I know for me, you know, when I was in my early 20s, it was like when I had an insecure thought, I innocently thought, oh, because I'm thinking that, then that is the absolute truth. All those thoughts that were coming through, I actually thought, oh, that is the real me. That's who I am. And now it's like, so I used to get caught in that rabbit hole. I used to go down in that rabbit hole and really feel those horrible feelings of insecurity and just believe that that's who I was. So the difference now, as Lana has just alluded to, is that when, you are, when we understand how thought is coming through us and it wants to move along, it, it, we don't necessarily have to tango with it. We don't necessarily have to get involved with it and get cozy with it uh, or have an argument with it or dissect it. We can just let it move along just the way the clouds move in the sky. Then we kind of allow ourselves to not get trapped in these, these emotions that, that keep our lives so small and restricted. So for me, it, it's all about just reminding myself how the equipment of the mind actually works, not to take it so seriously. So 
what do you think about people like those people that we see? And again, how we see them doesn't mean that's how they feel. But let's say people who really do feel pretty confident most of the time. Do they have a lot of insecure thinking, you think? Or like how, I don't know, I'm just, it's just an interesting question. Like, how do you think insecure thinking shows up for them? We certainly aren't privy to everything they experience. So I, I'm trying to picture, I'm, I'm picturing somebody, you know, in the limelight where they always seem confident. And it just may be a, a fact that for them, if they do have insecure thinking, they just let it go by. They just go, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm not going to feed that. That means nothing. They don't take it, as Linda said, they don't take it as something of truth of who they are. They dismiss it. Or they just laugh at themselves and they're like, oh, I've got that thought again. Or they don't even notice it. It's just like any thought. It's amazing to me how we can be triggered by these thoughts that sort of bring up memories we've had from the past. And each one of us seems to have a particular sensitivity or trigger that we're like, oh, oh, there's that again. And we notice that other people don't have that same trigger. They, it just doesn't mean anything to them. All that points to is how different we all are. and how some people just have a lighter touch, have learned to have a lighter touch to their thinking and just don't take it as seriously or are more playful with it. So it's not to say they don't have insecure thinking. It's the the relationship they have with it that determines how they then feel and what shows up for them. It's kind of like on your little school of big change, Amy, you have all kinds of people coming in with their issues, right? whether it's over-drinking, shopping too much, or overeating, whatever it is, the issue is there. And who knows what caused us all to have our own separate issues, but it's the same dynamics is going on about why and how we created those issues in the first place. So it's like, we've all got something. And again, as Lana says, someone could show up really confident, but most people that I have spoken to who are really confident will admit that they have periods of insecurity. It's just that they don't, you know, that's just one of their issues in their life that isn't a big ticket. You know, it's not a big, big item for them. Yeah. So let me ask it for you guys, because that's probably a better way of looking at it. Like for each of you in your journey with confidence, you know, like, do you have less insecure thinking now? Like, how does that look different from you for you? Or maybe just tell me a little bit, each of you about kind of, yeah, how that thinking has gone and what the progression has been like in your life. Yeah, for me, I would say that I have still a lot of insecure thinking. I notice it come up. I had a bit of it this morning, actually, knowing that I was going to be on this podcast. But it's almost like I'm onto it now. It's like, oh yeah, there's the, the, that habitual thinking that I grew up with for whatever reason. And it's doing its thing. It's showing up. But again, like I said, you know, because I know how the equipment works, I'm, I'm, I can just kind of stand back and I can just see it and observe it and not tango with it. So for me, yeah, it comes up all the time, but it doesn't have that urgency. It doesn't have the drama behind it that it used to have. It's definitely subsided a lot. Yeah. And for me, uh, the transformation has been pretty significant as well. Uh, certainly when I was younger in my early 20s, oh, I was so self-conscious about everything. Like everything had to be, I had to do everything perfectly. I didn't want to embarrass myself. And interestingly, I would compare myself to other people who came off as confident and 
I would go down the rabbit hole of, well, why are they confident? Like, where did they get that? How did they get that? And I, you know, I would be seduced by a seven steps to confidence and all of these things where I had to add layer upon layer upon layer to try to get me away from who I thought I was as an insecure person. And now when I know that, whoa, okay, I've got it backwards. I've been looking the wrong way. Actually, there's nothing in me to fix. I'm already innately well. I'm innately confident. It's in me. And I've seen it show up in my life time and time again. I just wasn't paying attention to those times. When I look back and I see those times and see how they show up, now when I have any insecure thinking, I really, I just don't take it as seriously. Or when I do, when it's like a real trigger for me and I'm like, oh no, this one for real, this one's a truth. I can always rest on the fact that I know I'm getting tripped up. I'm getting fooled by how my psychology is working. Wait a bit. It's going to pass. Don't worry. I can trust a little bit more in how it works and not believe so much what my thinking is telling me. Yeah. I think um, it's so huge for people to hear that anything is allowed to show up, that being confident doesn't mean that that insecure thoughts don't show up or insecure feelings don't show up. But knowing that we have that feedback that, you know, again, if we, if we flip this around the opposite way that from how we've been told and how we, how it looks like it works. And we say, no, confidence is innate. It's who and what you are, no question. And then you just have thinking that takes you away from that. But don't worry because you will always, always know when you're in that thinking, you'll feel a lack of confidence. You'll feel insecure. That's it. That's all it ever is. So every single time we feel insecure, we get to see, oh, like you said, Lana, like, oh, there's my psychology or like, oh, there's some insecure thinking. And that, I mean, that's just awesome. And and I just, I think it's so helpful for people to hear that the the amount of insecure thinking we have actually doesn't have anything to do with our confidence level, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also a relief, isn't it? To know that. It's like that takes one whole huge burden off our backs and frees up so much for us. Yeah. And I just, you know, it's interesting writing this book and as again, reflecting back on how we, you know, how we dealt with insecurity in our youth and our twenties and thirties to now. Um, Like when I was really young, it was like, oh yeah, okay. I believe I am insecure. You know, I'm, I'm British. I've got dark hair, pale skin, blue gray eyes, and I'm an insecure person. I thought that was my personality. And and as again, I went down that rabbit hole and lived all the drama of that. And then when I kind of got into self-help, the traditional self-help and became a coach, it was like, okay, um, you know, I can go up one step further and I can try out all these strategies and tools to fix it, you know, to kind of fix that insecure feeling, those insecure feelings I was having. And so it was like, let me do all this work to fill something, you know, that needs fixing. And even though that kind of helped, you know, I, it did. And, and it does for people. For me, it was like, okay, it was all this extra work that I had to do on myself. And then coming into this understanding, the, this latter part of my journey with insecurity, just the relief of understanding how it all works and realizing that I don't have to do anything. I just have to see and observe and understand takes this huge weight off your shoulders. And it's, it's quite an interesting journey to, when you see it 
how you dealt with it when you, you know, when you're really young and how I'm dealing with it now, how I'm seeing it now rather. Yeah. I mean, and having a sense of how things work and this understanding is gigantic. And I think it's also just really cool to see that just growing up does this. You know, you guys said, talked about like in your twenties and stuff. And I mean, thank God. I mean, to anyone in your twenties, there's so much hope. If you do absolutely nothing, don't worry. Probably by the time you're in your (laughs) your fifties, you will feel a lot differently about yourself, which is a good thing. You know, I mean, so it's just so cool to see how, how nature kind of softens our thinking, or I don't know how that works, but uh, we were just, we were just, saying this the other day, like notice how much as a teenager, you're just riddled with insecure thinking. And then as like, as you get older in your forties, fifties, sixties, you're like, I don't care what they think. It doesn't (laughs) matter. I'm fine. You know, you just dismiss all these thoughts coming through just naturally. Yeah. It's, that's awesome. That is. That's so, such a, such a kind design there that happens for us, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't hurt to, to see how we work. You know, it's like to see yeah. if you're in your twenties listening to this, Hey, you know, like listen into this conversation and see more about what confidence really is. And you get to yeah. skip a couple decades of <laughs> having to grow <laughs> out of it the slow way. <laughs> yeah. 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 I wish I had have known about this when I was in my twenties, yeah. you know, I mean, boy, but you know, Amy, I mean, even women of our age or my age, middle age, and they're doing all the tricks and the tools and the and the strategies to feel confident. And they're actually out there doing, you know, stuff. They're taking action despite their insecurity. But there's still that, and this this was actually me over the last 10 years. Like I was out there doing stuff, feeling insecure, but you know, kind of feeling the fear and doing it anyway. But I always felt like I kind of compare it to like having the handbrake on in life. You know, I was driving, I was moving, but I was moving. It wasn't with ease. There was, it was always, you know, that feeling when you're driving a car and you've got the handbrake on and then you suddenly discover, oh, I've got the handbrake on and you let it, let it off. Yeah. And you just propelled, you know, forward. And, and so uh, there's a lot of people still who are out there, you know, biting the bullet, acting as if they are confident, but they still haven't got that handbrake off completely. And this understanding is what allows you to take the handbrake off finally, at least for me, that, that has been my experience. Yeah. And, and Linda, I actually, I, I agree. And also I, I talked about this and I wrote something about this the other day. I'm in part of a coalition with our town and school and community. And one of the statistics that just came out is that there's a huge divergence between girls and boys in middle school and in high school in terms of anxiety, depression, self-harm and suicide ideation. And, you know, all of those are factors of uh, this level of confidence and feeling comfortable in your skin. And I see, you know, young girls just riddled with insecurity and self-consciousness. This is one of the impetuses we had for writing this book because we know what we went through and we didn't want to see it repeated over and over again and have these young girls grow up and, you know, the kind kindness of, the na- of our nature helps, but still we see women in our age who are still dealing with insecurity and think there's something wrong with them and that they have to fix it. And it's a lot of work and it's a false sense of, I have to control everything. And it's exhausting. And it doesn't need to be that way. Yeah. Let's look at a couple of the lies that you guys talk about. Mm. um, Because I think some of these are really fascinating. So 
one is kind of this myth or this lie that that we can sometimes tell ourselves that we don't have the confidence to um, be criticized or to screw up. Like, how did that used to look, and how does that look now? Yeah, that was. Uh, I it, what that's actually one of the chapters that I wrote, and I give the I tell the story. All the book is all about story. You know, we put it all out there. So I tell the story about when I used to be a high school teacher and I'm in a parent teacher meeting, you know, parents everywhere and faculty and the principal out of the blue calls me up and says, oh, Linda, can you just say something to everyone about the benefits of students studying Shakespeare? And, you know, I was a new teacher and I wasn't expecting this. It just came right out of the blue and I just froze. So I had that experience of like, I mean, I, I remember just wanting to disappear and I kind of mumbled something I can't even remember. But I was, after that experience, I went back to my classroom and I remember this distinctly. And I just felt like I want to just disappear I'll ne- I, I've ruined my reputation. I'll never get it back. Everybody's laughing at me. And it was just such a painful thing to go through. And um, I was so like thinking everybody's looking and talking about me, which wasn't the case. And I let that, I let that experience frame the rest of my life, at least a couple of years. And, uh, you know, I, I d- deliberately wouldn't show up at meetings or I sat in the back so I wouldn't be called on. And uh, it it just had a profound effect on me because I felt like I cannot tolerate, I cannot bear or ever get over someone seeing me in a bad light, you know? So, and then I compare my own experience of that in this chapter with a famous singer and how he had an, ex- an embarrassing experience on stage and how he just got over it within five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, when I look back, I think, oh, if only I could have, it would have been normal for me to feel that disappointment in myself. I mean, that's kind of normal. If you screw up or you say something, you know, it's natural. We all want to kind of look good in public. We want to show up. We want to look confident and that's normal, but it shouldn't like dominate our, how we go about life. It shouldn't cloud us and dominate us so much that we, we become immobilized, which is what happened to me. And I just clammed up. So just yeah. kind of just to see how, you know, our thinking can really um, dictate how we're going to show up in life is it, it was quite a, um, quite an experience for me to so, uh, go, go ahead. What about all the people out there who, who are holding on to something that happened like that? Like how, you know, what is it that allows us, you didn't like choose, you didn't say, I'm going to hold on to this, carry it around for the next 40 years or something, you know? So it's just Mm -hmm. how it looked. But like, so what, what do we say to the people that are listening right now that are like, yeah, I had that time when I was, you know, 15 and I've never forgotten it. Well, yeah, but you know, you'd be amazed. Like, I would think everybody's thinking about it. All those teachers and the principal, all those parents there. I had this thing, like they must be laughing at me. They're thinking about it, but actually they weren't. The truth of the matter is an incident will happen in your life. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe you'll get caught with spinach in your teeth. Who knows? But so what? You know, it's like you get over it and you laugh about it. So something that should have been temporary for me, something that I should have, you know, it's normal to feel bad about it. I let that become bigger than it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's, it's really big for us to see that like events don't, 
events, there is no event, you know, an event is made up by each person's thinking. So that event, no doubt is only alive in your head because I mean, it's been years and I'm sure no one else in that room actually remembers it. And even if they did, they're not living the same event right now today at all. At the time they didn't either, you know? So it's just, it's so cool to see how like we, in psychology, they talk about memory being reconstructive and that's why eyewitness testimony and things like that are so unreliable, but all like reality is reconstructive. The other thing is that, you know, we've had experience of seeing other people screw up in public and look silly or whatever, or have an embarrassing situation. And, and then we've seen them go on. Uh, in fact, I have a girlfriend who, um, I just think I was talking to Lana about this the other day, who, when she's first started coaching, uh, she had this recording and it was really bad. <laughs> I mean, from my standard. And uh, I kind of chuckled at it. And then now, 15 years later, I won't say any names, but this coach is amazing. She's doing great things. She's really articulate. And do I remember when she screwed up? No, not really. I just know of how she is now. So, you know, if you look at it from that side too. Yeah. The other thing about these events that we're kind of talking about is, and you've sort of alluded to this as well, is we, we're the ones who innocently reignite them in our minds by going over them and over them and over them and making them come alive again. And then because we make them come alive, we feel everything all over again as if it's happening and it's not. And just recognizing that. And one great example is when you go to a family reunion or just a family celebration, it's amazing when you reminisce about, you know, an experience you've all had and everybody has a different story about it. And everybody's like, no, 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 that it wasn't during the day. It was at night. And somebody else like, no, it wasn't. It was in my bedroom. Like, you know, everybody has a different memory, different recall, different experience of the event. And that's just how our system works. But when we grab onto innocently these events and we enlarge them and sort of create a real emotional trigger with them and reignite them constantly and then identify, attach with it, we're, we're creating our monster innocently and thinking it's real. Yeah. And luckily the feeling of that is always there to, to bring us back home. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what I'm hearing so much in this conversation. I hope other people are hearing about confidence is that if, if we're willing to say that confidence is there by nature and there's so much evidence that it is, and that only our insecure thinking that looks real is the only thing that ever gets us in the way. Well, you're always going to know when you're in made up, reconstructive, subjective thinking like you're talking about, you know, because mm -hmm. you're going to feel bad. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, exactly. See yeah. that and, and let that like, oh, that's right. I don't need to take this quite so seriously. And that we're really quite literally kind of bounced back to confidence from that point on is amazing. Yeah. It, it's funny because people are always like, well, I don't want to feel insecure. I don't want to, I don't want to have any of these quote unquote negative feelings like that. I don't want my life to be like that. Except those feelings, those feelings are always a gift to us telling us where we're like, how, how far yeah. off are we? Yeah. <laughs> like trying to help us get back and wake us up. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for this conversation. I think, um, 
I think it's going to be so helpful and eye-opening for people everywhere and just seeing how changeable confidence is. You know, I mean, you guys have lived it and and you, we're not just like sharing nice stories here and saying, oh, isn't it great? We're not in our 20s anymore. But there's like, <laughs> there's like a reason, you know, there's mechanics, there are principles and mechanics behind why confidence, our confidence levels or our insecurity, I should say, is so changeable. And I love that you guys point people there. It's super helpful. So thank you so much for being here. Well, well thank you for the opportunity, you, Amy. Amy. Thank you for listening to Changeable. If you're enjoying this podcast, please let me know. Subscribe to the podcast so you get each new episode as soon as it's ready. And please consider leaving a review so that others who need change can find their way here. Also, I would love to hear what you want to hear about on this show. You can drop me a line at amy at dramyjohnson.com to let me know what's on your mind and what kind of topics you'd like to hear addressed. If you're looking for more confidence, if you want to see more about this new paradigm, really see how life works in this new way. If you're looking for freedom from habits or anxiety, the Little School of Big Change is absolutely the place to be. School opens on March 11th, 2019. I only open the school twice each year. So your opportunity is coming up and it's just a very short window of registration. What you should do now, if you're interested at all in the school, I hope you are, is to jump over to the website at littleschoolofbigchange.com and get yourself on the wait list. That's the best place to be. I'm reaching out to people on the wait list, keeping them up to date as to what's going on and when everything gets moving. Um, there's going to be some cool special opportunities only for people on the wait list. So go over there today and get yourself on the list. And I'd love to see you in the school.